1: Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. In the flesh. In person. In the same room. We're here. It's amazing. Okay, Alyssa, I just want to kick off this week's episode by asking you this. Is this the summer of 69 indictments? Is it? Do we know? How many indictments does he have? You have your... Hold on, we have to Google. Let's Let's Google. Okay. Okay, how many indictments? Oh,
2: damn, Erin.
1: How many? Okay, so... Donald Trump
2: faces 34 felony counts in Florida. Okay. In New York, he faces 34 felony counts in connection with hush money payments to a porn star. Okay. In Florida, he faces 40 felony counts for hoarding classified documents and impeding
1: efforts to retrieve them. So that's 74. 74. And then there's four in D.C. So 78. How old is Donald Trump? Hold on. Hold on. How old is Trump? Oh, my God. He's 77. Oh, what a big special boy. W- one to grow on. One indictment and for one every, to grow on. every wonderful year of his life. And he's not even done. He's not even done. Oh. 78 indictments and in counting. You think he's going to get a perfect score? You think he'll get up to 100? Oh, I would love that. Oh, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> this week, we're joined by Evan Kleinman, Megan Gailey, and Kieran Deal to take on the following questions. Should there be cameras in Trump's trials? What can the Midwest teach us about keeping the fight alive, even in red states? What's the worst dish? One of LA's favorite food journalists was served as a child. And do the strikes expose Hollywood as a multi-level marketing scheme? All this and more right now. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast where we crack the case of Scooby-Doo-level plots against America. (laughs) We are we are Scooby doing it. We're Scooby donting it. This I don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Trump indictment. I know everybody's everybody who's in political media is talking about the Trump indictment. I don't know if people outside of political media or I feel like they have bigger fish to fry, like their backyard being 110 degrees exactly you know bigger fish droughts
2: floods you name it yeah bigger things going on
1: other things going on that are more directly impactful to their everyday life but this is really important to american history mm-hmm. uh, and it means that donald trump 2024's like the republican party platform is basically donald trump shouldn't go to jail that's all it is that's the entire that's it. political black plat- it's the entire political platform um yesterday uh Tuesday when the indictment came down, which thank you for that. Yeah, we didn't get Wednesday. We didn't get Wednesday. Thank you for that. I came up with a list of indictment-related puns that I think maybe we could— I am ready. Okay. Pun away. Affidavit and confused. Because <laughs> it's like summer, and Dazed and Confused is kind of obviously. Um, this one I actually wrote down before I saw the title of Wednesday's What a Day. Do the indict thing. Cause it's hot, not it's nonstop. Aaron, uh huh. Court fun in the summertime. Yeah, I love that one. Okay. Oh, those summer indicts. I love that one too. Okay. Summer of sixty-nine federal charges. Now we know it's more. That seventy-eight. Oh, God, that's sad. Such, sad. So good. So many. Have you ever seen the arraigned? So that one really takes my breath away. <laughs> okay. Good. Um, or okay, I was gonna. You know, I was also picturing like a movie poster, mm-hmm. right? And there's like a kind of a large man swimming in the water. And yeah. Below the large man, you see like Jack Smith's giant head coming up, like Jaws. You mean? Yes. Except it says laws.
2: Whoa. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's really stupid. But I could art direct political camp. It's not. Cartoons. It's not
2: stupid though. It is. It is uh, apropos of the news.
1: Yeah. For everything, there is a treason. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I Bum- can't. I can't stop. Um. Okay, Alyssa, my first and perhaps the most important question about Donald Trump's indictment is what do you think Liz Cheney is doing right now? You know, what do you think Liz is doing? I feel like she's
2: having a margarita. Yeah. I think she's having a margarita. I think she, I think she had one
1: of her servants make her a margarita. That's
2: probably correct. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, her work,
1: the work ha- has paid off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, she's out of a job. I mean, does she need a job? No. I feel like someone as rich as Liz Cheney having a job is just taking work away from people. No, who need... she's
2: just, you know, she's had. A, there's a little villain laugh. Her feet are up. She's having a margarita.
1: Yeah. And she's she's
2: enjoying that. This is probably the indictment These series of indictments that have made Trump actually sweat.
1: I picture the the Cheney family lair. Because it's a lair. Yeah. I picture it to look like um, the bar where Gaston sings that song in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> like the walls like, are covered covered in taxidermy. <laughs> and it's in like Wyoming. It's one of those like cosplay rich people. Oh, I think that's entirely
2: true. I mean, the documentary about Cheney was called The Angler. I mean, it was all about
1: fish and mounting fish on the wall. Yeah, but he didn't. He I, didn't. I, have, they all pre- they pretend. He might have caught him. him. They pretend to hunt and fish. It's all, it's like drag for rich people. (laughs) They pretend that they're blue collar. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what's going on. I was watching some coverage of the indictment on a cable news channel. Did it make you cringe? Extremely. Extremely cringe. Extremely cringe. I'm not going to name it, but I was watching some of the coverage, and one of the people suggested that it was imperative that TV cameras be allowed in the courtroom. What do you make of that?
2: Exhausting. Do we really need to give a man who has built his entire life and a vast part of his empire around produced television? Don't let him on TV. Aren't we just giving him the stage that he so wants? Don't put him on TV. What is the the upside? Either he is a
1: martyr to his followers— Or he's a hero. There is no upside for the rest of us. Right. There's absolutely no way that they would watch him on TV and think it was anything but badass. And to see him on TV every day I think would be – here's what they should do. They should hire a really mean courthouse artist. Yes. That's the way.
2: That's it. I just mean, re- report on it. Pump those pictures out. Let
1: us just do it all as like a cartoon, which is what he is. Exactly. I think they should report on the trial. We should we should hear from what happens inside the courtroom, but cameras inside the courtroom. No, ma'am. Have we learned no lessons? None. Stop letting him be on Don't TV. Don't give him a microphone or a camera. It will not. You can't. He can't be defeated by giving him no. his favorite it, it weapon. Is,
2: it literally makes him stronger.
1: Yeah, don't don't do it. So, um yeah, that's that's all I think we have to say about Yeah, that's it. A lot I mean, of indictments. A lot of indictments. Um I want to talk a little bit about the Midwest. We're loving the Midwest. We're loving the Midwest. I think that a lot of people who live in the Midwest um I think it's easy to get discouraged mm-hmm. in a lot of these places, um like Ohio, Wisconsin, um, even, you know, Michigan, whatever. Right. But there's actually, you know, what's happening in the Midwest right now in certain Midwestern states kind of shows that if you just stick around, have some tenacity, work your ass off. Some gumption. Off, gumption, elbow grease, um, then you can come out on top. Like, Ohio, Ohio. God bless. I have I have said Keep such, on
2: keeping on, I've Ohio. said
1: mean things about Ohio.
2: I mean, look, as a former Badger, I had a T-shirt that said, oh, how I hate Ohio State.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing that you're supposed to say. That's what we did.
2: But we're here to say,
1: yay. Ohio, Ohio is is really um, kind of an upside surprise mm-hmm. in the post-Dobbs landscape. So this summer and fall, there's two important elections that could lead to voters enshrining abortion rights in the state. As it stands right now, uh, abortions in Ohio are legal up to 22 right. weeks, which is actually it puts it ahead of a lot of states uh, where there's where there's a lot more restrictions Um This November, there is a measure on the ballot that would make it a constitutionally guaranteed right Mm -hmm. for Ohioans to access abortion up to the point of viability and past the point of viability if the doctor uh, who's treating the patient determines that it's necessary to preserve her life and health. Right. But because the polling on that looked really good and because uh, they submitted twice as almost twice as many signatures as they needed to to get it on the ballot, the secretary of state just was like, yep, it's on the ballot. Um, there is another measure that Republicans have snuck in that would essentially kneecap the power of Ohio voters to right. change their state constitution. And that is state issue one, which voters will uh, decide on August 8th, which is next week. So in that special election, voting yes on issue one will make it so it's more difficult for voters, To make changes in the way that their state is run. Voting no means that they still retain power. I I don't know why as a voter you would be like, yeah, you know what? Don't let me do as much stuff. Well, it's pretty interesting
2: because, you know, Aaron, the jiggery pokery never stops. And so state issue one would require 60 percent support up from 50% plus one Mm -hmm. for an issue, which is funny because I think if you read the news closely, you see that the uh, enshrining abortion has a favorability of
1: 57%. Hmm. What do you think about that? That's interesting. You think the Republicans read some polls? It seems like maybe they did. Hmm. It seems like maybe they did. But I think what's happening in Ohio is something that's really important for people to realize. Right now, you know, early voting is looking great. Mm-hmm. It's it's, re- it's smashing records. The August 8th election, uh, early voting is, is smashing records. All signs are pointing to the fact that issue one is going to fail, right. which paves the way for A abortion. A knocking on wood yeah, right now. Exactly. It doesn't mean you, can- you should vote. You've vote got to vote. And tell everyone that you know. Who lives in Ohio and can legally vote in Ohio? It's to like vote Kansas. No. Never forget. Yeah, do not forget Kansas. Exactly. Um, Ohio, even a state that is sort of uh, you know as as red as mm-hmm. Ohio, still has a line where voters like, are
2: like too much, too much, too much. You went too, too far,
1: much. And so right now, you, the Ohioans are on the cusp of actually enshrining abortion rights in their state, which is more than a lot of people have in the U.S. And it's it's like. You guys are almost there, and it's so. You can do it. You can do it. We're with you. Tell us what we can do to help. Well,
2: Erin, uh, to find out how you can help, make sure Ohio voters are informed and ready to vote ahead of the August special election at votesaveamerica.com/ohio.
1: Nice. That's a really easy URL to remember. So easy. Ooh, you know what? Hmm. We got to give a shout out to America's Dairyland. America's Dairyland. Erin, Judge
2: Janet. Can we just – we're so excited today. The ideological majority of the Wisconsin Supreme Court shifted Tuesday when liberal justice-elect Janet Protosewitz was sworn in at the state capitol to a 10-year term, giving liberals now a 4-3 to majority on the court. What? Yeah. It's exciting. I mean, we know this uh, – Everything is up for grabs now. They have a number of issues from union rights to redistricting to abortion to election laws that are likely to make their way before the court in the coming months and years. And this is incredible news because this election, which we covered, the most expensive judicial contest in U.S. history— um was seen as a referendum on the state's 1849 law which effectively was banning abortion and was reactivated less than a year beforehand under the US Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs v Jackson's Women's Health Organization. What? Yeah yeah, Judge so I Janet,
1: mean, right now, abortion is effectively illegal in Wisconsin. I mean, yes. I know that there are like exceptions, blah, blah, blah blah. But just effectively, it is illegal. Yes. luckily, it is legal in surrounding states, but not everybody who lives in Wisconsin has the ability to travel to surrounding states to obtain abortion care. right. Um, and so that's just that it's not acceptable. No, people in nope. Wisconsin deserve better. Um, I do want to point out that uh, Judge Janet replaced a justice <laughs> named Pat Rogansack. Which is an extreme... Patience. Patience Tr- Tr- Rogensack. Pat Rogensack, which is... um, It's a terrible name, but it's a very Wisconsin name. It's a very like,
2: Wisconsin name, and it is a name that has now been
1: defeated. I also want to point out that in Protosewitz's election, to the credit of voters in Wisconsin, it was not even, like it it she blew past everybody's blew. expectations. It was it was a trouncing. It was a curb stomping. Yes, curb stomping even better. It was yeah, it was a trouncing, a curb stomping. It was really really definitive. And Wisconsin is largely seen as one of the most contested states in the country yep. um in the 2024 election. It will obviously it, like there're a lot there's a lot of math that says everything comes down to Wisconsin in 2024. Now, we don't, you know, a lot of things can change. A lot change. of things
2: can happen. We but don't know. This but is
1: significant, significant nonetheless in every very, way. Very, very, very important. Um, but not everything in the Midwest is great. You know, we've, we've got, you know, success stories like Wisconsin. Yep. Which is, you know step one of several steps that need to unfuck the state but step one was a big one uh we've got michigan yep great big big gretch profile
2: big gretch making things happen
1: yeah big profile for uh, yes. of her in the new yorker check it out if you have which it which is sort of like one of those things where it's like hmm i wonder what she's got planned
2: what's big gretch up to what's big
1: gretch thinking down the line down the line don't everybody Not get right mad now. don't everybody get mad michigan people don't get mad Biden people don't get mad. Everyone calm down. Everybody calm down. future that is bright for Big Gretch is bright for all of us. I- exactly. Exactly. Michigan flipped everything and is now making historic yep. changes. Um, Minnesota, recreational marijuana. Uh,
2: legal. Legal as of August 1st. So incredible. Also always doing the right things. Minnesota is also expunging records for uh, folks with marijuana-related offenses.
1: Uh-huh. And my brother is a public defender in the state of Minnesota. It's, pr- it's pretty good. You does
2: know. he does he get to go around now and be like, you get expunged, you
1: get expunged? I'm not sure. I should send him a text message and be out. like, hey, are know. you expunging? I want to know. How's the expunging? What's the expunging going up to? going up in uh, in Duluth? How's that going? Um, we also have in uh, Minnesota also passed paid uh, parental leave. Right. It's right. one of the one of the best uh, paid parental leave programs in the mm-hmm. country. Minnesota did it with a one seat majority. One C majority, uh, which is super exciting. But not everything is not everything is is rosy in the Middle West. Indiana, um, after a year long fight, a near total abortion ban is going into effect in Indiana. um, The ban would prohibit abortions at any point during pregnancy, except if the woman's life or health is at serious risk. And let's point out just to echo a point that our pal Jess Valenti has made Mm -hmm. many times. These exceptions Don't really exist. On like a practical level, they don't really actually exist. Hospitals are shit scared of getting licenses pulled, of getting sued. These exceptions are not in any way exceptions. They are on paper exceptions to make people feel less – evil mm-hmm. for passing these laws. But like, see, we're not punitive. Yeah, but you are. You, you are. You absolutely are. Um, it's gross. Um, so yeah, the this is a, a sad lost battle in the state of Indiana. Um, and uh, the law is now has now taken effect, like for good. Yes. Which is uh which is really unfortunate. Now in the upper Midwest, abortion remains illegal in Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, in a few months, might be better Fair. back. Um, but for now, there's a bunch of states where it's just not legal. It's not good. No, nope, not good. Illinois, however. J.B. Pritzker, out there killing it. The Monopoly Man. Being an ally. Say he, he is the Monopoly Man. We mean that with so much love. I mean, he's... He's, you know, I mean that with
2: like a medium
1: amount of love. I feel like
2: (laughs) he is, you know, but I appreciate, you know, he had that commencement speech that went viral. I feel Mm -hmm. like he's a very thoughtful governor and in a state that is, you know, borders Indiana, Mm
3: -hmm. obviously. And Wisconsin. And
2: Wisconsin. And Iowa. He's like, here's what we're going to do. Here's like we're we're like enshrining everything we can to make sure that people have – have what they need to live a healthy and happy life.
1: Yeah, I, I have to say, if you know uh, an OBGYN or an abortion provider in Illinois, you know, be super nice to them. Do I think they've just, they're really probably over.
2: Do you know there are only 66 OBGYNs in South Dakota?
1: What? 66. In the whole state, Erin. Oh my God. They could all live in that corn palace together. That? That's...
2: That that's how few that OBGYNs there are. It is. They're calling it prenat- They're calling this prenatal care deserts. Oh, because in some places it is so far. Because most of the and most of those sixty six are in Rapid City or Sioux Falls. South Dakota is a pretty not, big state. It is
1: not a small state. It's if not you've a ever small d- state. you've ever driven across it, you know it's it's not it's no. not a small state. And it's not close to anything. Like, that's another thing. It's not like, oh, uh, yeah, I live pretty far from Rapid City, so I can just, like, zip on up to Bismarck, North no. Dakota. But at the same time, if you were an OBGYN, would you choose to go live in South Dakota? No. No. I the, You don't would you choose to go live in South Dakota by itself? I under mean probably all not probably
2: not my first pick mm-hmm. at the top of all of our favorite Midwest states.
1: No, and and I would say, you know, this is this is something that advocates have been like warning will happen. Yep. You know, there are going to be prenatal care deserts as the environment out there gets less and less uh, habitable to OBGYNs. Right. Like people can't go there for training. People can't go people why would they want to? And uh yeah, it's it's just not going well for for people. We we, we said this was gonna happen. We we've, we've been telling you. We've been saying it's going to happen. Um it's happening in Idaho as well. Yeah. Where there's they're shutting down units of hospitals that are supposed to help people give birth. So you could be the most pro-life person in the world, in the world, and it's still gonna like screw you over. Yeah. So sort of screw your care over. You're screwing everybody, everybody. over. This is, ugh. Um, let's see. What else do we have going on? In the Midwest? You know, Iowa continues to be a bit of a shit show, but there's still a lot of fight going on there. Yeah, don't count Iowa out. Don't count Iowa. I'm not counting any. We're not counting anyone Any out. of the Midwest out. Kansas never forget. Kansas. Never forget Kansas. And also, you know, abortion rights are a winning ballot measure. Yep. And when you give it to people to vote, they vote to keep abortion rights. They yep. want the government out of their doctor's office. Between
2: a person and their doctor. That's what abortion should
1: be. Absolutely. Uh, we got a roast. Oh, God. Aaron. Are we going to have to, dis- are we going to use the C word and get not, in trouble?
2: We're not, we're not using any words because we don't even have to. Aaron, we, it's we implied. We can just, we can state the
1: facts it's, of the case. It's implied.
2: Congress shrew Trisha Cotham. Aaron, here's a funny one. She, you know, Oh, she this was is a
1: Democrat. We're, we're talking about North Carolina. North Carolina.
2: Okay. North Carolina. She was uh, allegedly a Democrat, and then she switched. So she switched. She became a Republican so she could vote against abortion. And she gave them a supermajority, right? Giving them a supermajority. And Aaron, guess what? It turns out her middle name is just George Santos because <laughs> she was recruited by Republicans to run as a Democrat they tricked. Erin, how is this not fraud? Oh, it is. It It is is fraud. fraud. It is fraud. And she is trying to backpedal. She had very famously in 2015 spoken on the House floor about her own medically necessary abortion for an ectopic pregnancy. She talked about how essential abortion was. Now she says, oh, that, that wasn't an abortion. Yes, it was Trisha. Well, it was in 2015, Aaron. But Trisha. in 2023, when she wants Tuker Carlson to have her on his, his Twitter, Twitter show, show <laughs> oh, she's God. like, it's not. She's saying she didn't have an abortion. She yes, had a miscarriage. She did,
1: Trisha. Which
2: was a spontaneous abortion. Trisha.
1: But you know what sh- she wants oh. us to know,
2: Aaron? She's still the same person.
1: An evil bitch. And
2: and a very untruthful. George Santosian Congressperson. <laughs>
1: nice pause. Uh, I know what you wanted to representative. Into that pause. Representative. She is awful. She is an awful person. Um, I just the goings on of like you know what happened in North Carolina, where basically one person pretending to be a Democrat in time to switch to give Republicans a veto-proof majority. One woman can endanger the rights of. Everybody who lives in North Carolina, one fucking liar. By being a fraud. By being a fucking liar. Okay, one woman can do that. Also, you know, with the Trump indictment, to bring it around full circle. Oh, please do. The more we learn about it, the more it's like, this was a Scooby-Doo level plot. Yes. And it, it, this was like, it was almost enough to topple the American experiment. So how good, look, I, America's fine. I live here. I, I care about it enough to want to make it better. It has some problems. I think one of the problems is that it was not designed to be strong enough to withstand a fucking Scooby-Doo level plot to overturn the government. It's like – when I was watching coverage of the indictment, there, you know, they were talking like, "Oh, this is a very dark day in American history. It is a dark day in American history." I felt like I was watching employees of the uh, haunted amusement park <laughs> talking about how That's... it was a dark day in the haunted amusement park on the day that we pulled the, the rubber ghost costumes off, and it turns out it was the 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 cr- cranky neighbor who lived next door. I mean, like, yes, it is a dark day in American history, but it's even darker that our system is so in need of an a giant update that it is held together with chewing gum and paper clips like like she it should not surprise us that this happened
2: because George Santos who probably has 30 30- passports with different names in his closet, <laughs> They're became all became like, a member of the U.S. Congress. But his
1: passports are probably like, my, my daughter has like a Minnie Mouse purse, and inside her Minnie oh, Mouse purse is like absolutely. a little thick plastic credit card. That's what they probably but look like. when you like. say scooby people doing
2: people are like, oh, that looks right. When you see Scooby-Dooing, it makes me laugh so hard, because all I think of is Matson in that episode of Succession yelling at the Roy brothers, be like, what are you, Scooby-Dooing me? You're Scooby-Dooing me right now. And like, honestly... Yes, everyone's up to Scooby Doo. Yeah,
1: they're Scooby Dooing. Zoinks, zoinks. Scoob. You know, yes, zoinks, Scoob. It just it it does it feel like we need we need a we need a top to bottom refresh. We need to fix this because we need to bring Scrappy Doo back. Scrappy Doo um, fixed Scrappy-Doo shit. Scrappy Doo made it the worst. I think he <laughs> Scrappy Doo was to Scooby Doo what Shre- what Shemp was to the Three Stooges in that he ruined it. Sh- okay, fair, 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 fair. I think that it's. I I just it's. This is a system that was not designed to last as long as it has lasted with no meaningful updates, you know. And, like, it took over—it took, like, what, two—more than two and a half years to charge, like, the people responsible for a coup. That happened on television. The the main guy. Yeah, it happened on TV. We have, like, this long trail of evidence, and it took two and a half years. Like, the system is not— it needs a reboot. It needs a refresh. Control delete. It needs a little little nip, little tuck. <laughs> it needs some updating because, man, imagine if any of this were tried to be were carried out by people who knew what they were doing. You know, more Scooby Doo level antics in Florida. Uh, there were some issues with people running for uh, office that had very similar names to Democrats. Do you remember this no. story? Oh my gosh, it's complete. I'll send it to you. It is like the most basic. A kid came up with this at recess level shit is capable I of had, like – I
2: did not remember this at
1: all. Yeah. I'll I'll send it to you and we'll put it in our show notes, listeners, because it is – Scooby-Dooing. Fix- There's a lot of problems. And we should not be defeated by a bunch of like disgruntled – Cartoons. Neighbors. In ghost costumes (laughs) or werewolf masks or whatever. This is ridiculous. Okay, rant over. Let's take a quick break. Just a quick one. When we come back, we've got an interview that will bring us down a notch, (sighs) soothe our souls. Make everything pleasant. But also make me very hungry. That too. So stick around.
2: Today's guest is Native Angelino, pioneering food radio personality of NPR's Southern California KCRW. Good Food, radio show and podcast which explores food and how it intersects with every aspect of human life. She's been celebrated by James Beard and she's done over 6,000 interviews and says of food and cooking, quote, it's about creating hospitality in your own life and welcoming people how you are able in the place where you are, which we love. Evan Kleinman, welcome to Hysteria.
3: Thank you so much. This is such a... Strange pleasure, you know I, <laughs> I i don't get to be i don't get interviewed very much. Oh well, I'm always on the other end well, of we the have conversation. For you. Oh, we've got awesome. I hope you. I have answers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, in 1998, you became the host of Good Food. Why radio? What did you love about radio? And is podcasting as much fun? So, in
3: 1998. I had a restaurant that I opened in 1984 here in LA on Melrose called Angeli. And I was, you know, doing my work. I was really involved with slow food. I was the head of the LA slow food chapter. And uh, so I was occasionally on Good Food, which was originally started with the hosts, um, Mary Semillikin and Susan Venegar of mm-hmm. Now Soglow. And, you know, they were one of the pioneering um, Food Network personalities, two of the pioneering Food Network personalities. And because their life was like blowing up, um, they wanted to recede from the radio situation. And the host of the executive producer of the show, Jennifer Farrow, who is now the head of KCRW, um, asked me if I would step in. And I said, sure. So for like 10 years, I did both jobs, you know, had a restaurant and um, and did the show. You know, it because the arc of me doing the work has been so long, like from the very, very beginning of the Internet um, to now, it's just so difficult. Different um, how one puts the show together, the amount of resources we have. Um, podcasting, I, lo- I mean, I love podcasting. I've always listened to radio. I was one of those kids who grew up listening to NPR during dinner, you know. Mm. My mom had it on all the time. And of course, you know, my whole teenage years, it was my whole teenage years, music was all about the radio the radio was how you engaged with music. It wasn't, you know, create your curated Spotify list. (laughs) (laughs) If you were lucky, somebody handed you a little playlist lovingly put together on a tape. Um, So radio was always a part of my life. And um, I think it suited me because in the real world, I, I tended, especially then, to be extremely shy. So radio allowed me to just interact with people one at a time through this amazingly intimate medium where you're in a room, you have these headphones on, the person you're interviewing most of the time isn't even in the room with you, Mm -hmm. and it allows for a kind of focus and presence in the moment that I just took to that I guess I really kind of needed in my life because I tend to be ADD and all over the place. Mm
1: hmm Same. We, we were in NPR house also, and I yep. I think I was listening to podcasts before they were podcasts. So I would, like, time my Saturdays around, wait, wait, don't tell me. Car talk. Car talk. It was car talk, because I lived in Chicago at the time. It was, like, car talk, then wait, wait, don't tell me, then This American Life. Right. And I, like, would time my day around it before podcasts existed, so I'm, I'm right with you there. Okay, so, Evan, you grew up in the 60s, and you-ish.
2: Yeah. Here in L.A. Ish, here in L.A., and you grew up reading cookbooks.
3: Well, of course. Well, I shouldn't say of course. I was such a nerdy kid, I guess. I mean, I grew up reading. I was a right. voracious reader because, you know, so super shy. So my life wasn't an extroverted exterior life mm-hmm. so much. Um, it was more a life of the mind. Right. <laughs> it would have been nice to learn to move my body a little more. <laughs> Be more fully present in the world. But... um, that voracious reading at a certain point started to center around food because my mother was not a good cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, what was her worst dish? Is there anything? Oh, to be- oh yeah. yes. Oh yes. Well, so it was the sixties. It was a time when, you know, convenience food met experimentation with sometimes really unfortunate. Results. So Uh, she once made this chicken dish that was a casserole that involved chicken, rice, some sort of cream of something soup. It must have been celery or mushroom or just chicken, cream of chicken, and a jar of apricot preserves. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) What more can one say?
2: I mean, I really, I can't imagine what that felt like on your palate.
1: <laughs> the texture.
2: Yeah, the I, texture. I the like texture was...
3: feels, it needs like a little crunch, yeah, right? I feel be, like that well, just needed some crunch. I think the some rice crunch. sometimes had... <laughs> unexpected crunch. <laughs> oh my gosh! On the that... top layer, and she never ever made dessert. I mean, dessert in our house was you know these gallons of supermarket ice cream that would stay in the freezer and get super icy. Mm-hmm. So I learned. I taught myself how to like cook, make cookies, right? And then I realized reading cookbooks, that it was a way, just like novels are, it was a way into the larger world. And I was just completely fascinated by, you know, the the 19th century world of hospitality and dining and all of the elaborate tablescapes. And I mean, I grew up you know, I, I once asked my mother if we were poor, and mm-hmm. she said, no, we're not poor. We just don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, single, female child, right? single parent mom, and um, it was a way for me to just see these other worlds. And especially cookbooks that came from other places in the world. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even so much the food or the recipes that intrigued me. It was the introductory materials and the head notes, the little bits that start each recipe, the stories. Hmm. And so I think I learned really early on how food carries story and how powerful they can be. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes when fancy people talk about food, it can be very
1: classist and, like, esoteric, kind of alienating. But you have created this kind of food community, and uh, you center curiosity, accessibility, inclusivity. um, And some people call you the fairy godmother of the L.A. food scene as a result of that. So can you talk about why that's been
3: important to you, like inclusivity and and bringing people in? Um, So I grew up. In Silver Lake mm-hmm. in the 60s, a very, very, very different place. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> than it is now. It was... No no Erewhon, to speak. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like, I mean, it stayed similar for so long because it's so ge- geographically kind of in its own little kind of hidden area. But Las Feliz, Silver Lake, and Echo Park w- was my hood, and... Um, I went to public school because everybody went to public school, and I have never had a more diverse experience in my life than heretofore than I did growing up at that time in that place, and it's not just all of the ethnic diversity, racial diversity, religious diversity, but it was also the economic diversity of everybody going to public school. So you would have kids of gardeners and janitors going to school, kids of doctors and judges, and we would all go over to each other's house after school. And and early on, I became a voyeur. I I think that kind of goes along with being an only child. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just fascinated how people lived in these houses where different languages were spoken and th- you would walk into the house and the houses smelled different. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that my food embrace or my embrace to people through food has always been very wide because that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Do you,
2: speaking of, well, so we talked about cookbooks a little bit, but here's a question for you. Do you follow any of the food trends on TikTok? Oh, yeah.
3: Okay. This I is I spend way too much time on which, TikTok. I, I which have, are you into? I have to say that I have a little bottle of eye drops. Stop! From when you've scrolled too long? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Stop it. Evan Kleinman. It's no, It's terrible. Ma'am. Oh, my gosh. It's really
3: terrible. And I have to set a timer. You do. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So, what do you, what, what draws you down the rabbit hole? Well, the thing I love about TikTok, my TikTok, my for you page is just people. It's that same thing. It's the same thing of my childhood, only right. expanded throughout the world and throughout all the states. And so, that voyeur in me of just listening to people and quote, meeting people that I would never meet in my daily life, right? Who share little snippets is just endlessly. Not just fascinating, like looking at a you know insect like pinned down <laughs> on a sheet of paper, but just life affirming. It really makes me feel better in these times of feeling so like horrified and scared mm-hmm. so much of the time, and um, and food. On TikTok I really try and be careful because the algorithm of TikTok is so incredibly tight and responsive. I'm not really interested in having um being inundated with food on TikTok. Right. So I'm extremely careful. <laughs> you
2: have to be if not you'll have nothing. Oh my gosh. But posts of people smearing Uh, raw meat on the counter and trying to make some sort of monster meatloaf that clearly has all sorts of bacteria in it. Yeah.
3: I mean, it's just... Yeah, that can be too much. Having said that, though, I make recipes. I have incorporated recipes into my daily repertoire that I've gotten from TikTok. Really? Yeah. Like Like which ones?
0: Um, (laughs) like tell us, so we can do
3: it too. Well, the first one was from Unicorns in the Kitchen, Mm -hmm. and it's barbadi bread. So it's a Persian flatbread, and it's... Her recipe was just so easy to make, and I make it a lot. Um, another one that I did that became a pandemic staple for me during lockdown from Salty Cocina was um, making flour tortillas with cream cheese. Wow. Like, who what? knew? For me, it kind of, like, broke that mental barrier. Mm-hmm of, no, I can't really make these and roll them out and have them come out good and have them stay good for a couple of days. Right. That just, like, cracked the code for me. It was perfect. Um, Who else? Recently, I learned about this cabbage salad or cabbage chip kind of just snack from a Japanese woman named Sugi. Um, And it's just this simple mixture of cabbage that you throw some dashi, some garlic powder, some salt, a, cup, um, a couple of other things on it, put it in a Ziploc bag, move it around, and then put it in a bowl, and then you could just snack on that. Oh, oh I'm so hungry. But that is like really, really um, addicting. And then there's this young man Who I'm not sure what his name is. Maybe somebody (laughs) will tell me after this if it's Logan or if it's Justin from Ottawa. This younger kid who is not Korean, but is just, he cooks like a Korean grandmother. And I love watching his videos. Okay. What's an ingredient you cook with that you never thought you'd cook with? Huh. That's really hard because I've been cooking for like, more sixty-five years. <laughs> so, what's the newest one that you've added to your? Yeah, that you... I mean, the condiment situation is constantly getting out of control. And <laughs> and yesterday I, I interver- interviewed Pierre Thiam mm-hmm. who's this amazing Senegalese um, chef and uh, cooking personality who concentrates on the cooking of West Africa. And every time I see a West African cookbook come across my um, my door, so to speak. I always feel like I want to go on those websites and just buy all those condiments. Mm-hmm. And I have not done it because I'm like, oh my God, more condiments. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm actually going to pull the trigger this time and I'm going to get like a goosey, you know, the melon seeds and I'm going to get different spice blends so that I can make some of his food. Mm-hmm. I mean, things I re- I have... <laughs> During the pandemic, about 20 young chefs sent me their Chili Crisp. Wow, it it's was, a lot of Chili Crisp. Well, yeah. it was a pivot, right? Right, yeah. They were all trying to make money. <laughs> and in the end, I ended just putting them all together in one jar. Wow. I'll never be able to repeat how good that chili crisp
1: It was is. the Avengers endgame <laughs> of exactly. chili Crisps. Exactly. Every it's single like the character. Voltron of chili crisps. Spider Man's in here. Yeah. <laughs> we got Iron Man. Catwoman. We got <laughs> Yeah.
3: <laughs> Wait, that's the wrong universe. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like like seafood, mushrooms. I mean, yeah. But I just use so much of everything. I can't think of something that is really Trilly, like chili crisp chili crisp stew is pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, it's good on ice cream. <laughs> it's good on noodles and, and with butter. It's good on eggs? It's really good on eggs. I also am devoted to pomegranate molasses.
1: Oh, yeah. I used that. I made buffalo this past Friday. I cooked like a buffalo tenderloin, bison, bison oh, tenderloin. Oh, wow. And I used
3: pomegranate molasses uh, in the reduction. Oh, that sounds wonderful. It was
1: great. It's the first <laughs> time I've ever done it. Yeah,
3: everybody who uses, balsa- quote, balsamic vinegar... Which isn't balsamic vinegar, whatever. (laughs) um, In their braise reductions, should really switch to pomegranate molasses. Oh wow! Heard it here first. Also cocktails. Oh yes,
2: I have. What I have done that I have. You know, because it's like
1: you just shake it up with like a little tequila and put it on ice.
3: Ah, so good. Oh my
0: goodness,
1: so good. Well, I know what I'm having this evening. Um, Okay, so do you have a summer garden?
3: I shouldn't laugh. I've gone through so many iterations of gardens in my life because um, I've been living in the same place for years. I at one point, had a little mini orchard in the backyard, but it became a rat buffet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hashtag Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. So I tore it out, and um, at the beginning of the pandemic, when I was like sitting, you know, in my place looking out at the garden, it was like looking out at a prison yard. Mm-hmm. I mean, dead dirt. Dirty, horrible concrete block fence. And I decided that I would put in a native flower garden Mm -hmm. because, you know, water... Right. Yeah, I'm not such a good gardener that I want to waste all that water, and I can go to a farmer's market. But I do grow tomatoes in containers every summer, cucumbers and peppers. Mm-hmm. Those are the triads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found in California those are the three that kind of that, that can take
1: survive. Off. Yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna put I'm gonna plus one to the wildflower garden. So like we we rent we don't own our house, but. We um, have this, like, area in between the sidewalk and the street that was just, like, a dog bathroom when we first moved in. (laughs) And over and before, like, winter hit last year, I surrounded it with, like, a little wire fence, and I just... Mixed up a bunch of wildflower seeds with some dirt. I just threw it there and I was like, what's going to happen? And it
3: grew. I have like Isn't a little. Isn't that the greatest feeling? I have like a little meadow now.
1: And there's so many bees and butterflies. And it used to be just like, a, and people stop and take pictures and look at
3: it. And it's so life affirming. Every morning I get my coffee, I go outside. And I I I mean, I look at the minutiae of what's happened since the day before. I do the same thing.
1: I do exactly the same. I'm like, ooh, this little
2: these little poppies are coming up like no. that. I got one black raspberry this year. Wow. And, and I nurtured it and then the bunnies <laughs> ate it and that was fine. But That
3: means you're gonna get a lot more
2: nicks. Fingers year. crossed. It's my black caps are my favorite.
3: <laughs> I mean, I have this I have this blood orange tree that I planted. A long time ago, one New Year's Eve, I bought all these citrus trees to give away as gifts to staff, and um, and for ten years there was no fruit. And I have a friend who's just an incredible rare fruit tree grower in her backyard, and she said, "You need to pull out that tree. It's a fruit tree. If you're not, it's not giving you fruit. Forget about it." And she said, "Well, you know what you could do? You could try beating on it with a shovel." She said, I've heard that that will make them start to bear fruit. And? So I had a friend come over and beat the heck out of it with the (laughs) shovel. And then the next year, one branch got flowers and gave me blood oranges. And then the year after that, the entire tree. Wow. Now it's 30 feet tall.
1: Beat your fruit trees. Beat your fruit. You heard it here first. We are breaking the news today all (laughs) over the
3: place. I think it goes into like... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to die. I better pump out, you know, life before <laughs> right. I go. Right. It was that's, like me when I turned like 37. That's like evergreen trees. When they I... get
2: stressed and they they have tons of pine cones when they're really stressed. Right. So, you go. right. I
1: was stressed out. I'm like, I'm getting old. I'm 37. Time to have a baby. And I did. Yeah. So there
2: See. you go.
3: Okay. You're not getting old. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm 40 now. So she, she's like almost two. I'm not getting. I, I mean, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go there. I will just have decades on you. Decades. Well, Mastery is a beautiful thing in life you know we talk about mastery but we often don't connect it to age and the word wisdom seems to hold a lot of crone-like things Mm -hmm. for women Mm -hmm. mastery mastery yeah it's our new word we got it we have it
2: okay so evan before you go we love kcrw and we love public radio is there a way our audience can support you and your show
3: oh my gosh you are a queen to ask me this question. <laughs> We've been following the fundraising drive. A yeah. queen. You know, NPR stations have these fundraising drives and they're really important, especially now um, when... We are at risk of losing federal funding more than we ever have been. And although we rely more on people to give, that federal funding is something stable that we rely on. And we do rely on actually actual humans who listen. So if anybody wants to support the show, you can go to kcrw.com slash join and join at any level. We will inundate you with merch. And... I mean, KCRW is such an amazing station for how it goes out in the world to engage community. I mean, there's over 250 music events a year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, we have our huge pie contest at UCLA um, in the spring. And 10,000 people came to the last one. Wow. We only planned for five. so oh my God. <laughs> you like Lollapalooza. You, had to, you yeah. had to cut the
1: pies into twice as many pieces. It was really, it was
3: like... Uh-oh. <laughs> um and then we have our tortilla contest coming up which I do with Gustavo Arellano. Oh my gosh. And that is just so much fun. Um four of us have been tasting tortillas for a couple weeks now. We start with 64. Oh wow, just like
1: the NCAA tournament. Exactly, Whoa, it's a bracket. Sweet yeah. nice. It's a
3: bracket. And um and then we're going to have the actual tournament at the beginning of October at um, the finals and that'll be at smorgasburg oh my goodness i'm so hungry now i i know only ate a starbucks wrap on
1: the way here which i regret (laughs) and
3: (laughs) i I haven't eaten anything oh no (laughs) i haven't either but (laughs) but you were talking to your previous guest. the words hot dog Uh yeah and did you start well i'm such a suggestive eater like (laughs) it's gonna be an earworm now until i go eat a hot dog oh my gosh yeah i think i want a hot dog too
1: but chicago style with the pickle and
3: (gasps) the best i agree i agree where do you get those i don't know i have not found them in la yeah i was in chicago recently and I i got to have a really great one while being you know showered with insults oh was <laughs> Circle. yeah was Winter S- yeah
1: yeah. perfect I've, I've been there too and I, I made it out alive and I was like this hot dog tastes even better after I got <laughs> yelled at which is weird and maybe I should bring this up with my therapist <laughs> uh Evan Kleinman thank you so much we loved having you this thank was a you great so much
3: you should come back we'll have thank more you. I would love it seconds. I would love it so much fun
1: This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes.
2: To sixty four thousand.
1: One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like parched? I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm gonna pass out. And it's ah, you gotta drink some water. You gotta stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix zero sugar hydration drinks because it allows me to.
2: Yeah. I have I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I
1: refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. Yeah, perfect. Perfect for couch napping.
2: Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the attenzione pickpocket of American <laughs> politics podcasts. Uh, our first panelist, we're all here in the same room. We're here. We're ah! all here in the same this room. Is. So, I mean, I feel like weird introducing somebody to people who are already here, but this is for our listeners because it's not a visual medium. Our first panelist is a comedian and she's going on tour in the Midwest in September. Great time to not be on the West Coast.
4: And I love corn. Oh, same,
1: same. (laughs) She's co-host of I Love My Kid, but recently featured in a billboard in something called Times Square. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Heard of it, which is a new parenting podcast that is also funny.
4: Megan Gailey, welcome to Hysteria. Hello. I hope the naked cowboy saw me. (laughs) Is he gone? Is the naked cowboy still there?
2: I haven't seen him since COVID.
4: Oh, Oh, no. no. Another COVID casualty.
2: Haven't yes. seen him since COVID, but you know now what, I'm going to the... Google and check out his status.
4: Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't look up his voting
1: record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The naked cowboy is nakedly racist. Um, <laughs> our next panelist is also a comedian going on tour. She's heading to Europe this August and September, performing at the Edinburgh Fringe Fest, <laughs> as well as in London and
5: Zurich. Wow. Zurich? Non-American
1: <laughs> listeners, go catch this bus face. Kieran Deal.
5: <laughs> Thank you so much. Are you hiding your Thank gold you. in Zurich? Um, say what? It, uh, yes, obviously. Oh, yeah. You know, gonna do a little bit of international banking, mm-hmm, offshore mm-hmm, banking, mm-hmm. get it all taken care Buy of. Buy a
1: fifty-four-dollar salad. It's Buy really a, expensive there. Thank you for oh. that. Thank wow. you for that.
5: I will be spending every every euro that I make immediately on. Salad. Yep. (laughs) On lettuce.
1: (laughs) On lettuce. I mean, lettuce is expensive. Well, that's super exciting for both of you. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this topic with both of you because I feel like it's just kind of permeated everything. It will probably explain why we're both going
4: on tour. (laughs) And why
1: you both got haircuts. Yeah. yeah. That also might be part of it. We're going to talk about the WGA
4: SAG double strike.
1: Now, both of you are members of
5: both. Double member. Uh, double member. I'm an I'm an associate member of the WGA, which means I didn't get to vote. So I've only oh, okay. been like a like during the assault, I had the health insurance. So I'm right. still wildly grateful for that. That was like a big a big uh, it's the it's the senator's health insurance. It's really good. It's insane. And, wow. it, like, it's, like, to have that health insurance is, is insane. With the WGA health insurance? It's, very, it's the, yeah, very it is,
4: comprehensive. It yeah. is
5: maybe the best health insurance I've ever been on in my life. It was – I didn't even know if I was a writer. And now I'm like, I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford not to be a fucking writer. I'm a writer now.
1: Oh, God. Okay, so, Megan, where are you at with the strike? How are you feeling about everything?
4: <sighs> you know, it's that thing of, like, I feel very blessed to have stand-up and to have podcasting. But it is – it's been demoralizing, and I know that I'm in a – Semi okay situation because I have a spouse who is employed outside of the WGA, even though he is a WGA member. So when they wrote that they wanted to take our homes, um, I I was like, "You're not taking my fucking house. Um, <laughs> I got a man," you know. It was like that. But it's um, feminist, feminist. No, very feminist. feminist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's tough, and it definitely has affected my career, which is in a lot of ways, very tied to my self-worth and how I view myself in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and that's taken a massive hit at a time when the world's pretty brutal in addition to this. And
2: Megan, you said, you just mentioned that they said they were going to take your homes. That was an executive, a studio executive, unnamed, who mm-hmm. said that their strategy for breaking the strike was driving writers and actors out of their homes and making them default
4: on mortgages. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to lose their apartments, So we would come back to the negotiating table desperate. Mm-hmm. and And that was a, that was a genuine tactic, and I I heard behind the scenes they were split on whether to do that or not, mm. and it sort of galvanized all of us to be like, "You want to what?" And this mm-hmm. is what we're dealing with, and look what we're up against here. So I think it had the opposite effect, and and I then heard that they were screaming at each other on a conference call, mm. and it's like, "Please, can we get that footage?" Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's really for for executives to say that publicly, it really makes you go, oh, this strike is going to end and we still have to deal with these crazy people Mm -hmm. after it. Yeah. I
1: mean, also, well, here, I'm, I'm gonna silver lining that quote, okay the fact that he knows that people are gonna lose apartments and it, he the whoever this executive is, and I'm assuming it's a he <laughs> yeah. it feels that way. It, it feels like it feels that way. It's either a he or like a girl who's only friends with guys <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, a guy's gal. yeah, yeah, I just think girls are too much drama. um but I you know the fact that they included apartments in the quote acknowledges that they understand that people we are work, not wealthy. yeah, they're not wealthy right. people. There's like, You know, 150, 200 wealthy people and everyone else is like, you know, struggling to get by.
5: I thought this I think what's strategically hilarious about that, though, is like that quote came out and that was right before SAG took the vote. Right. So it felt like I don't I felt like a little bit of a you know even however that happened it was a very galvanizing thing for SAG so Mm -hmm. I was like this it felt like at least a press play do you know what I mean like that it was maybe before that I don't know if all of SAG was like as unified but then Mm -hmm. Fran started going nuts the other thing I'm going to say about this that I did find Brian Cook came to my show as a very funny comedian Kimmel writer, very angry man very angry (laughs) very very. (laughs) Very angry I mean a friend of Megan's too very angry lumberjack like fellow you know and he was like talked to a, a mutual friend of ours um NATO Green, who works in unions, in union organizing up in San Francisco with like hospitals and, and police officers, whatever. And he goes, NATO, like what do you guys do when you are um you're on strike or how do you how do you what are your what are your tactics on the side as the union? And he goes, well what we do is we try to find the person who's like legitimately in charge and then we make their lives fucking miserable until they cave, until the person who's really making the decision right. can do that. And then <laughs> I'm sorry, because it's like and then he started saying the address of the president of the AMPTF on the stage <laughs> oh my of my show oh my again and again and again, which I won't do here. because no. This is a much bigger listenership than the 14 people who come <laughs> to my <laughs> local bar show every Thursday. But I did think that there was something hilarious about what he was saying. It was like that is a strategic tactic of a union leader who has been working for decades in this branch. The WGA has graphs they have graphs and they have like you know they're doing like pickets with musical numbers Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean like it's it's I'm saying like it's that's what's interesting it's like the idea that the idea that it ever like was going to be some sort of like gentleman's like rosy thing I think kind of is kind of a, a misnomer to what an argument that reaches an impasse even means, right. you know? Because it's there's just so much money on the table for them. So, of course, it's like if it got to the point of a strike, of course you're going to fucking go down kicking and screaming.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is something that I was like, hmm, this seems like fucked up and maybe this isn't something that we should just be doing as a, as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, reading about executive compensation packages like mm. Bob Iger... Uh, Z- Zaslav or whatever Zaslav yeah 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 all the all the villains you know in their lair in the Sherman Oaks Galleria which is where the AMPTP is based uh, adjacent to a P.F. Chanks
4: <laughs> which like uh, isn't a great complex it's really I used to live close to it are, and like even I was like I actually don't like this arc light <laughs> there are better wow
1: so there are, wow, better, gallerias. There are, there are, are better, better gallerias there are better gallerias why not Santa Monica why not the P- anyway um, I'm, I'm getting off I'm getting off topic I you know you read about their compensation packages and it's like they get paid you know $5 million in dollars mm-hmm. and then, like, $30 million in, in stocks. stocks. So yeah, right. they make more money if they drive the stock price up. And in mm-hmm. order to drive the stock price up, they have to convince investors that the value and the, the amount of money generated right. is constantly going to to go up. Mm-hmm. And it seems not good. Like, there, that's like an adversarial relationship between the boss and the product. Right. Right? Because if, like, the boss is is, like— kind of a, a vampire squid trying to extract value like a like an internal uh like private equity guy within a company then it's sort of like wait what it, it's it's weird it's like it's like giving yourself a tapeworm it's yeah. like having a your ceo be like a, a <laughs> no tapeworm. it's true
2: it's true and the thing about how overly compensated they are is to the earlier conversation about healthcare that north of 80% of SAG members don't even qualify for the health care that you guys were talking about.
4: And to qualify healthcare. for it, you have to make about $26,000 a year. Aaron, to your point, I do think one of the silver linings, though, is I feel much more educated about the business side of this. Like, as we're sitting here, I know all of us who are now a member of this industry, Do not come from it. None of us were in the Nepo baby article. Like, (laughs) which mm -hmm. to be
5: clear, I find personally very devastating. (laughs) I'm still working
4: class outside of Hollywood. Still upset about that. Still personally (laughs) upset about that. And so we're learning different (laughs) things, and 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 part of it is the compensation of like you see these huge numbers, and then it's like, well, it's actually broken down this way, and here's the people that are making the decisions. And you know, I had. I had a show in development at one of these places that is a tech company, and it's like, oh, it, it came down to like, are we? How much are we going to be able to integrate the products they want to be selling into mm-hmm. our show,
5: mm-hmm. and
4: all of that stuff? Not on the table in the strike. Right. Like, we we take a lot of really bad lashings, and and go, that's okay. We're not even asking for guaranteed healthcare. We're not even asking for AI to not exist. Right. We're asking for the barest and barest and barest of minimums of people that are genuinely clinging to the middle class in a city that basically is abolishing the middle class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and we can't even get them to come back to the table. Now, there's rumors they're going to get back to the table on Friday. But then everyone said, well, don't, you know, don't believe these rumors. You know, it's, it's all sort of... They're tricky. They're mm. tricky little fuckers, right? <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: Like there's also this question of value and worth in this country that I think is a more broad question of like do we believe that one person's labor wh- whoever they are whether like even if they created something do you fundamentally believe that that person is worth like 5,000 times more than the people working underneath you? Like right. like what is the like somebody yeah. is making you know, I remember talking to somebody. I went on a a, um, a date. Didn't work out. It's OK. Everybody just relax. <laughs> breathe out. But like a, ki- a like a guy who like sold a company to Google at like 22, 23 years old. Right. And he was saying he's friends with all of like the people at Twitter, you know, like and Jack Dorsey who sold Twitter. And he goes, and a lot of the engineers who are on the ground floor of that. And he goes, now, Jack Dorsey made like 100 X more than those other people on the ground. Floor. Right. Right. And he was people like built it. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and it's like he was like 5 X. Sure. 10x? Sure. You know, but what is the like, what is our exponential idea of like, of what we think the inherent value of one individual should ever be? Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, I think, a very particularly um, bizarre question in the United States. Yeah. And
4: and I think that's something that the WGA has done really well and now SAG, but WGA is now going on 90 plus days of the strike, is to go, this is, uh, it's very Easy for quote unquote regular people. My friends back in Chicago, Indianapolis, go well. Colin Farrell's picketing, an and he seems like he has a great right. life. And it's like, absolutely, Colin Farrell is out there because he looks great, and because he raises <laughs> so handsome. awareness. So
5: handsome. We're so not handsome.
4: passing. He used to run shirtless through oh, my no, neighborhood. So hot through my neighborhood. We why are, don't you have footage of that, and why are aren't you sharing it online right now? The hat for Colin Farrell. We're passing the hat for to me and right. for other folks. But it also to say, this is this is a labor fight. This has...
5: Thank you for saying me this first.
4: ties to the Starbucks workers, the Amazon workers. There was a massive march where the WGA and SAG join in with the UPS. Mm-hmm. I was going to so, say, it does not feel lost on me that
2: UPS has avoided a strike right. now mm-hmm. with everything going on. Because I think the top of UPS
1: was like, oh, they're, oh people, were, people are for people real. People are fucking serious. serious. Okay, it's, there's a lot of labor... Um, Uh, Agitation. I'm saying it like with yeah, no UAW's contract. UAW is up. up ITSC had a labor dispute with like Hollywood, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of solidarity between the unions associated with Hollywood because it's not just actors and writers and directors and producers who who are making money or whose livelihoods depend. On the film industry, it's like people who work in the crew. Uh, it's people who cater, yeah, the drivers. sets. People, yeah, yeah, drivers. People who are prop own like companies where you rent props. People from them. that right. just
4: own small businesses that writers go to eat mm-hmm. at. Right. You know, the dry like, cleaners. Like, the like, you know. Los yeah. Angeles is a massive part of the California economy. California is the fifth largest economy in the world. I think it's the fourth now. I think we moved up. So it's like this is this has trickled down and and I think sometimes I feel like that I know in two thousand and seven, I wasn't in this business. I was in college, and it was like we heard about the writer strike constantly, and people still talk about like that Friday night light season and it was just and and now there's so much news and there's so much craziness happening, but it does feel like oh this this has been pushed a little bit back because I don't know if people realize how. Big, right? I mean, the next season of Stranger Things,
1: all the kids are going to have receding hairlines. <laughs> uh, everything has been pushed back so far that it's like, you know, this is this affects people's entertainment, but it also affects people's livelihood. It's very expensive to live here. Living here is a requirement of a lot of these industries. Like, you can, you know, Zoom writers rooms are a thing, but you can't just, like, Zoom into a set, you yeah, know? You're right. working... And I
4: don't think they're going to be a thing forever. Mm-hmm. I do know people, and I'm Karen, I'm sure you do too, that are leaving the city. That mm-hmm. uh, You know, we're working writers, successful in this business, and are like, I can't afford to live here anymore.
5: Mm-hmm. The big thing I think about is, like, how this country historically busted unions for so long. And what's interesting to me is that the entertainment business is one of the last places with a bunch of strong unions. Right. Um... But like it's I remember saying it. it's like like the WGA has like that gold standard health insurance. And to me, it's not about like the writers not having that health insurance. It's like, why doesn't everyone in this country have good fucking health care? I mean, why doesn't everyone have a living wage like these things are? And because tech is permeating so much mm -hmm. of our lives, Apple, like Amazon, these companies are permeating like. Warehouse workers, like all of right. these people mm-hmm. who also have to make a living who are also freelance. And the fact that tech is so insular, the people at the top of tech, it's its such a bubble. And it's such a young, relatively young group of people who I don't think understand, like, what it is to not have stuff mm-hmm. because of the business that they are in and the way that their business is compensated for that creates instability throughout the economy and makes our country weaker
1: yes we see a lot of like teachers union action happening right now especially as like educators are under fire everywhere Uh, a lot of nurses unions health workers unions uh, are taking action against this sort of like vampire overlord structure that tries to extract value and take away the quality of the actual company before kind of discarding it as an empty shell you know I think that what this conversation, for our listeners who aren't in the entertainment industry or adjacent to it, I really want them to understand, like, we're all kind of—this isn't just an existential threat to us. We're all going through this. There's so many of us that are experiencing this at the same time. Well, what do we think about the possibility of other unions uh, taking action within entertainment? Because in 2007, 2008, uh, there was uh, the writer's strike, which Mm -hmm. caused a rise—it didn't cause a rise in reality TV, but it— made the rise of reality TV happen more rapidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, with people were already interested in, in reality, but it just became huge because it was all there was. But now people aren't really interested in reality as much anymore. And there's Reality's chatter. is not that cool. It's not that cool <laughs> anymore. And there's chatter that there may be some, you know, maybe visual effects people will organize. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, reality would organize. Uh, Megan, what do you think about Bethany Frankel's suggestion? Okay. okay.
4: Yeah, so Bethany, you know, She did this thing of like, well, why are they striking? We should be striking. And it's like, everyone can strike. You know, it's not, right? It's not either or, Beth, all right? So reality TV stars, people that work on reality TV absolutely should unionize. They're treated worse than all of us. I have friends that work behind the scenes, friends who have been on camera. It is really like you are being paid with exposure and maybe you'll get half a sandwich. Like they are treated like right. absolute dirt and there are there's no way to like say you can't be working 14 hours. Like it it really is inhumane. So I say absolutely unionize, but that that doesn't have to be at the expense of us, also. Right. Mm-hmm. There's room for everybody. Everybody can ask for humane treatment mm-hmm. and to be paid what they should be, without it being us taking from anyone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, if even if everybody was paid one, what let's see,
1: one five hundredth of a Zaslav every year, that that would be a hundred thousand dollars. You know, that's five hundred. Right. He, you know, that's. I think. Did I do the math It's pretty close. It's pretty pretty close. close.
5: So pre, and the other thing I'll say is like, okay, so pre, like, so let's say pre-streaming. If like I was on How to Get Away with Murder, if you got like one or two or three guest stars a year, that's like, that would have actually been enough with like residuals and everything. Like you could have like made a decent living. So it sounds like it's a lot that you're making at a point in time. But then imagine the rest of the year you're auditioning for free Mm -hmm. and – And there's so much unseen work. You're Mm -hmm. developing for free. You know, you're doing, you know what I mean? Like you're doing, you're doing these things like, like the, between Sunnyside and now, like, the, like, there was at some point, there was a, a a thing about auditions, like, and getting paid for auditions. Mm-hmm. I was like, I would have, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> do you understand? Like, between – and it's like – and you can get so close. It can be down to you and a yeah. famous person. And then if you don't get that job, nobody sees that work. Yep, right. That's mm-hmm. just gone. It didn't exist. And it was just like, what? I, like, learned to be better at a craft. It's like I'm an adult and a professional. Like, at what point do you get compensated for, like, just – on a basic level for your work. And then the other one is for writers, it oh. used to be it used to be like twenty weeks of work. Mm-hmm. Now that's been condensed right. into twelve weeks. With like At
1: most. Yeah. I've heard mini rooms will do three, four weeks.
5: Yeah, which is just like so you're doing the same amount of work at a pace that is now like um, breakneck and there are fewer people there and there's fewer people and there's
1: like one showrunner who's making a decent amount of money and then there's like two or who's three who's having people. to do a lot a ton yeah. they're making a decent amount of money but they are owned by yeah. the project
4: it, I was working on something uh, with someone who was on an, over, uh, on an overall deal that w- it was lucrative I, I do not have an overall deal I'd love to have one um, <laughs> and and the mention of a mini room was sort of brought up, and my reaction was, "I'll do it." You know, like, okay, I, I want it. I I need this to get made. I I this is my right. this is my third attempt at like, I'll I'll do it. And the person who is financially more stable than me was like, "No, we will not be doing that because that's not correct, and that's why we're going to be striking." And it was right. like, "Oh, I'm." Kind of the bad one here that's willing to do this mini room that we are now saying is no, 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 don't do that. But that came from genuine need. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and we can't I, I don't think it's fair to say that you're part of the problem. I think the problem is a system that encourages yeah, that
2: of course. That, so of course that you shouldn't be in that position. That yeah. they would even ask you for that is yeah. the
1: problem. Not not you thinking about saying yes. The the question is the
5: problem. And a place of like the just the place of a little bit of like the fact that you need to make a living, or like the desperation—I mean, that's the whole point of having like union minimums, so that yeah. it's like you, that question is never posed to right. you. That's because the point of collective we would bargaining. Do anything, yeah. Like I mean, I mean, as we've a comedian, I for... mean, stand-up. I mean, stand-ups will do fucking we've anything. We paid <laughs> to do stand-up. It's insane. And what stand-ups will do is just in like you know, all three hours to drive to a porn set and do six minutes of comedy before yeah. you know people get lubed up. Yeah. I mean, how many minutes? How many minutes do I get? <laughs> You'll hear somebody ask, and you're like. God damn! Have some self-respect, you <laughs> I, like, dirty comedian. I dated is what I a think.
1: stand-up comedian for for years. Sad, for, sad. I know it so was sad. So sorry. He was, he's like got a gig working for it's like fine. a late-night show. Well, okay. he did, okay. but he's 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 doing fine, I think. Um, but I remember being like, wait, so you just are like gone every night from like eight until one. Every night, just doing work. It's it's amazing how much work people put in. Also, I want to talk really quickly about development hell. Alyssa knows about development. Mm -hmm. I'm in development hell. Mm -hmm. Not right now. Right now, we're on hold. Yeah, (laughs) which is also hell. hell, Which is a different kind of hell. Either way, you're not getting paid. Um, Development hell is something that I think people outside of the industry don't really know. But basically, um, this is a good situation. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. You are a writer that. Uh, and your agent – that's a good situation. You have an agent. Your agent comes to you and is like, I have this idea that this production company wanted a writer for. Well, you pitch on it. And so then you take, you talk to the company. You pitch on it with them. Usually they're talking to like three or four other writers. It's an
5: audition for a an writing job. An audition for a
1: writing job, yeah. And then they usually have you do two or three rounds. And then if they pick you, then you get to work for about six weeks for at free, least. At, at least developing uh, the idea before you take it out. But this is a good situation because you usually don't have to write the pilot before you take it out. In right. this case, but sometimes, but sometimes you do, and you don't get paid at all. And if nobody buys it, then you just don't get
4: paid. And, and sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. And with movies, you do have to write a hundred and ten page script, and right. with and you really the the goalposts moving constant. The first pilot I sold, I asked that. Four different points. Now, is this when we get paid? And they were like, no. And so it was like, I kept having these, oh, my God, this has never happened. This is great. Uh Wow. We've got this executive producer who's legendary. Do we get paid? No. Uh Okay, well, now we've got a major studio. Do we get paid? No. no. Okay. Well, now we're going to go to the network. We sold it to a network. Do we get paid No. Nope. once the deal closes and that's probably going to take 6 months.
5: 6 right.
1: months once the deal closes and then you turn in your pages. Yeah. And then they have to accept the pages.
5: And then have you again, I'm just going to say, have you guys thought about being rich? <laughs> if you oh, just, I have. If you just if you like if, Karen, Do you understand? You're such in am, a
2: simple solution you're to in a America, difficult problem. You're in
5: America. Have you thought about just being rich because I? none of this would be an issue. If you were just rich, you could just, you could just, you know, kind of make it through. You could just push through. It'd Something the strike has opened my eyes to is going,
4: I'm not gonna do it, but I totally get why people become Scientologists. Mm-hmm. Because it's like <laughs> you go straight to the top of you're gonna get parts. Like people are like, listen, it's this is a tough business. You know and know I what? see a way Maybe to in two
1: thousand five, I think it peaked with Crash. Uh, but it, it used to be that it used to be that people would literally do that and yes. then they had to close down the celebrity center. You can't just like hang out at the Scientology celebrity center anymore if you're like a regular
5: person. You have to have oh, like gold That was status. my whole
1: afternoon plan. Uh, <laughs>
5: I didn't uh, even know that that was that effective. I oh, would have yeah. done that years ago. I thought that was just a myth.
1: That ship has sailed into the stars 500 billion light years away. I think um, so, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so the strikes are ongoing. Uh, I think that it's important for us to think about this as an issue of labor solidarity across Mm -hmm. industries. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening to us like vent. (laughs) Yeah. It felt like really nice uh, because I think my husband is sort of like, I'm too busy with work. And my daughter's like, I'm a baby.
5: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. I'm a baby is such a, oh, God. It's like always the excuse to, yeah, I know exactly. I don't have a problem. How do I walk? Where does the poop go? (laughs) The other
1: day, I was like, I caught she was just playing by herself and I went into her playroom and she was sitting and she was going why?
4: Aww
1: Why? 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 And I was like she's imitating me (laughs) We uh, we gotta take a quick break Uh, I'm gonna sign my daughter up for SAG and then when we come back we're gonna talk Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria. Come on in. There'll be no more napping, as they said at the beginning of Pee-wee's Playhouse, my favorite show when Aww. I was a kid. R.I.P. Paul Rubens. Uh, R.I.P. This one hit me pretty hard, yeah, i got to say. I uh, My entire personality was pee-wee-based as a kid. I have realized, yeah, we used to do the magic words, scream real loud. Did you guys, did you guys ever watch that show? Yeah. It's the
4: gayest kid show That's ever existed. I'm going to say this, and I hope you take it 100% as a compliment. Uh You and Pee Wee have, like, a similar aesthetic. Thank
1: you. Oh,
3: that is so nice. You know,
1: uh, I was reading, because I was was doing a lot of uh, diving into Pee Wee, um, and I learned that his suit, when he was, like, first Mm -hmm. doing his stage show, which eventually became Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Pee Wee's Playhouse, um, he deliberately picked it out to be, like, a bad suit, but Mm -hmm. then fashion changed, and it's actually, like... Shake, cool looking, <laughs> <laughs> a serve, um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of a serve anyway. Paul Rubens, I just, yeah, what a peewee was amazing. And there aren't kids' shows like that anymore, no. um, that allow kids to be like kind of naughty weirdos, um, which <laughs> is a shame. Um, but you can buy it all on Amazon, Amazon Prime. You can buy all of the and peewees. There we
4: are again, yep, there we are. We're back
1: to Plug. Amazon, or you could just like buy a DVD, bootleg it, yeah, or bootleg <laughs> it. I mean, okay, let's uh, do some announcements for the class. Hey, Ohio, we have been talking to you quite a bit directly. Nonstop, actually. Nonstop. If you haven't been paying attention, though, now is the time because reproductive freedom and direct democracy are on the ballot on Tuesday, August 8th. Ohioans are expected to vote on a ballot measure to codify reproductive freedom in the
2: state constitution in November, but Republicans created another ballot measure for August that would make it way more difficult for constitutional amendments, like the abortion protection measure, to
1: pass. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash Ohio to get all the information you need to vote no on August 8th. Or before. You can vote absentee, you can vote mail-in, but August 8th is the last day to vote. Vote. Vote no. All right. Time for Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. Alyssa, what do you got? I Feel Petty. Guys, I was in the airport
2: yesterday, Uh, and can anyone explain to me? So I was going through security, and the person behind me was like, excuse me, excuse me, I have to get my suitcase. And I was like, yeah, we have to get our suitcases. But they were being very precious because they had a very fancy designer suitcase and guys, what is what is actually the point of a Louis Vuitton suitcase? What is the point? You're advertising to anyone in the airport that even if what's in your bag is trash, the bag is worth something. And what's crazier are the fake Louis Vuitton bags, because then you're just begging to get your bag snatched mm. and it's like n- there's not even anything inside. Like I understand if you have a carry-on, that's I mean, just because I travel in LLB and doesn't mean everybody's- This should. was a checked bag? It would no, it was like a it was a roller, Roll, bag. Okay, was yeah, a roller yeah, yeah. bag. And like why I, Why it, would you spend that much money on something that is just going to get the shit kicked out of it and increase the chances that it gets stolen?
1: Yeah, that's a great question.
2: Right? I just I was flummoxed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Buy it. It's, it's tacky. It was tacky. It's tacky. Alyssa, I mean, you've
5: given me a great idea. Maybe and it's that's super, stealing those bags.
1: <laughs> maybe
2: it's super aspirational,
1: but I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's also you're you got to prove something. What are you proving? What are you
2: proving? You know, I'm not poor. My suitcase was free from American Express for being a member
4: for 15 years. Yeah, mine, I have an away. Hello, thank you. Um, I paid for it. But it's like in other countries, you know, they really wrap their suitcase. Like we treat our suitcases like – shit and you've been, like i've been to other airports and i'm like what is this station and it's like the suitcase protection station where you truly wrap I it up so it can't it. be hurt it's like and a
2: whole like, segment oh. on the first episode of 90 day fiance every every
1: season <laughs> 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 yeah uh like expensive suitcases don't do it doesn't and make sense and to me. and if you're rich enough to afford an expensive suitcase you're probably rich it's enough to private but if it gets but it also if it gets stolen you can probably just like I replace guess so. it so just Take your bag on a PJ. Don't buy anything so expensive that you are in trouble if you lose it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think that's that's probably a good rule of thumb,
5: Kieran. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I feel petty. I do. Thank you. Oh, Um, you are
1: petty. I
2: think in general.
5: Thank you so much. Um, I have been wearing the petty uh, sweatshirt a lot. Oh yeah, people love that on stage. It's like
4: 95. Well, the AC is popping.
5: Yeah, the AC is like once you're inside, and I and people look at it and they're like, that really suits you. (laughs) And I don't know what to make of that but i take it as a compliment um the okay i so i was just outside of chicago in um in a suburb um in a suburb a few hours outside and there was a hotel convention going on Mm -hmm. with uh it was a hundred thousand people were there for baseball cards and i was it was very scary (laughs) i i was at the bar and you're going back and you love corn and i love the way Megan's smile is plastered to her face, you know.
4: But <laughs> I was, just, like you're saying this, I'm like, sounds like a great place to meet men. I think that sounds fun. <laughs> it was
5: not fun. I realized how intolerant I am. And I was, like, there were men there with their little suitcases, their little hard top suitcases one like I was sitting at the bar eating a hot dog because that's all that was available and then he he took out his one card in plastic and the other two guys sitting there basically just jizzed their pants and I was like what am I doing here what am I doing here I don't belong here I felt like an avocado in a sea of hot dogs
4: (laughs) if they weren't if they weren't trading and celebrating baseball cards they would be Trading and celebrating guns. Yeah. So you sort of have to be like, oh, I, you, you can't, you can't yuck their yum when their yum is truly hurting no one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the whole Oppenheimer movies
5: course would have changed if Oppenheimer had only had a hobby like collecting yeah. baseball, baseball, cards. baseball yeah, cards. You're just saying, think of it as a distraction that people are just doing until they die. Just yes. gives them something to do.
2: Benevolent hus- side hustle. Yeah. yeah.
5: Put it, put it, put a ball of yarn in a hand. Let's. Uh, yeah. You yes. know. Yes. Some let mittens, it be. Let it be. Listen. To be clear, I'm happy that it exists, but you did not feel you felt out of place there. I just don't want to be around it. Yeah.
2: I
1: got you.
5: Yeah. I mean, it's you're not mint condition anymore. So uh, <laughs> <you> know, smart. <laughs> I, I I I was shook. I learned something about myself that I, I I was like, I don't belong in this place. You know. I think it's interesting to feel a sense of unbelonging. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm.
1: know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Last time I went to church, I was like, hm, "Oh, mm, it's I don't it, like
5: this." Yeah, and and maybe that was also the church you went to. Maybe there'd be a different church where you would feel like, "Oh, I like the way that they're presenting Jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. to me on this one." <laughs> that,
4: that's yeah. what happened to me. I went, and it was like a nine-year-old Irish priest that was like, oh, are welcome here," and I was like, "I'm back in." Like, I'm <laughs> like okay, I like church again.
1: <laughs> oh man, don't, just don't try to steal his pot of gold. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so uh, here's something that I am feeling feeling is my sanity corner this week. Women's World Cup. Yes. Oh yeah. Mm. Ongoing. The team USA not doing great. Made it out of the group stage. I think we got to play Sweden in we the knockout play Sweden round Sweden on it together. Sunday. are to on Sunday. Yeah. Um so they tied with Portugal, they tied with the Netherlands, they beat Vietnam. Um but what is has been most exciting to me is watching the other teams play. Even if the U.S. doesn't. I would like the U.S. to win. Of course. Yeah, of course. But it is so exciting to see women's soccer being played at such a high level by so many different teams. Mm-hmm. Like I watched the Columbia-Germany game. Mm-hmm. If you have the opportunity to watch a replay of that game, watch it. Watch it from minute one all the way to the end. It is one of the most thrilling games I've ever seen. Colombia has an eighteen year old girl, wow, who is their oh, star? She is five foot three, doesn't appear to sweat at all. Not she's me. so fast. her footwork is incredible. The team is was ranked twenty fifth in the world. They played number three Germany. It was like a David versus Goliath situation. Germany played hard, nobody was diving. Nobody was whining. Everybody was like really intense, but not in like a dirty mm-hmm. you know men's soccer kind of a way. It was so. Enjoyable, just mm-hmm. top front to back, enjoyable. I can't wait for the knockout round stage, um, not only for the USA, but just for all of the teams playing soccer at such a high level. It is so exciting. Also, like, you know, people gripe about like the difference between watching women and men play sports. And I think, like, when you watch basketball, it's like watching almost two different types right. of game. Like there are women who play basketball who are like super fast and can jump really They're also high also playing defense. Exactly. And the men don't. Yeah, the men don't really mm-hmm, play mm-hmm. defense. But it's just it feels like a different game. I feel like with women's soccer, it's the quality of the game is is fairly equal. Like there's I, I, don't, I think
4: better yeah. I think I just think they're like more elegant like yeah. just the way they do stuff and the way they move their bodies and yeah and the storyline like I saw Alex Morgan post yesterday that her daughter arrived mm-hmm. and so it's like oh my god yeah these are moms yeah. you know and she was like my heart is full like she wasn't even doing like well now I'm gonna be a mom and yeah, then try yeah. and like right. but a ball yeah. I hope into. she's got I hope she's got somebody to like I'm be sure in charge she does to wrangle but like, you almost just see their they have like fuller richer lives I think women do mm-hmm. um Dennis Rodman's daughter is on the U.S. team, really? Yeah, yeah yes. she is like that. She's 22.
1: She's young, young. and wow. she's uh, she's awesome. And it's just it's so fun to watch. And if you haven't been paying attention, the knockout round starts this weekend. Mm-hmm. So, I would encourage everybody to watch. And also it's in Australia, so it's it's like at weird times, but they replay them like constantly. Yeah. So, there's not like other sports happening right now except baseball and so it's just it's very it's available. It's like the
2: middle of the summer baseball. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's like the before it matters right, really. Right. Um, so I would recommend watching the FIFA Women's World Cup to any listeners who haven't been cluing in. It's it's really good.
4: All right, Megan. Well, I'm going to talk about baseball because there actually is something great going on. Shohei Otani is putting together the greatest baseball season ever. Maybe since Babe Ruth, but he pitches, he's an incredible pitcher and he hits home runs. Like the, also the man is so Hot. What team is he on? <laughs> he is on, the team is called the Los Angeles Angels, but okay, they play in you. Anaheim. It the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? They used to be the Anaheim Angels, and then they tried to rebrand it. So, The Shohei, two hours outside of Los Angeles yes, Angels. Yes. Shohei Otani, hunk, so fun, just like, What he is doing is historic. I saw a tweet yesterday that was like, of all the terrible times to be living, just be glad that you get to live in the era of Shohei Otani. Like, he is genuinely a joy. Loves it. He was going to probably be traded, and then the Angels were like, listen, we're not going to trade him. We're going to try and bring some assets here. So they're bringing him some help. He's never played in a playoff game. Um, Neither has Mike Trout, his teammate, who has been MVP of Major League Baseball, and no one knows what he looks like. Um, (laughs) I can't picture him. Oh, no, like, they used to do this joke at the ESPYs where they would cut to just a random man in the audience and be like, Mike Trout. And it was like, <laughs> not nope, Mike Trout. So it's... It's really exciting. He's so handsome. I don't even like baseball. Like, you know, I like the Dodgers. I like going to games. I love hot dogs. Um, (laughs) I love butts. But he really (laughs) is something that, like, has made this kind of stale, out-of-touch sport really resonate and popular. He's an international player. He loves California. It has a very large Asian population. So even if he does leave the Angels— we're really hoping he comes up and maybe plays for the Dodgers because he loves being in California. Oh,
1: good. That would be, just don't go
4: to the Giants or the Padres. No, I don't think he'll go to the Giants. Yes, Hunk. I'm going to uh, – yes, Hunk. Get get a full body picture. Full body.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we both- I'm, pulling, I'm pulling up pictures of him.
4: Oh my gosh. So fun. He wears this like really cool. Yes. Look at him. Number 17. That's my lucky number.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's good. Look, he looks like um, his angles are. he looks like a dancer. He moves like a dancer. He's like so elegant.
4: Pitchers don't usually hit at all because they're they're not good at it. So they usually pitch and then they're done. That's why the American League had a DH. Yes. He is pitching and then is leading the team in home runs. That's amazing. Good for him. Um,
1: okay, we're out of time. Yeah. We're out of time for this panel live in studio. This was so fun. Alyssa, come out every single week. And every we have week. drinks
4: later tonight. We <laughs> have drinks later
1: tonight. Oh, man. That's good. I hope no giant news event happens between now and no, then. No, no. Uh, knock Jack wood. Smith, take the day yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> please chill out, Jack Smith. We've heard enough from you. Oh, my goodness. You know, it'd be a good day to take out your Muller time shirt and wear it ironically. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there was merch for that. There was nothing burger. Okay. And that's the show. What a great show. Thank you so much to Kieran and Megan for stopping by live in studio. This was so much fun. Alyssa Master Monaco, thank you for being my ride or die. Evan Kleinman, thank you so much for stopping by. And listeners, thank you for listening. We love you. You're the greatest. Don't tell other pods, but we think our listeners are the best in the biz. The best. Absolute best in the biz. If you want to get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com for tips, compliments, notes. Just, you know, be nice. Just anything. Do be nice, though. Do do be nice, though, because we do all read it. And if you're mean, we make fun of you. We'll group chat you. We'll group chat you, and it it won't be kind. There will be more Hysteria next week. There always is. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Erin Ryan. And Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events.
2: From time to time, we like to share a recommendation of a podcast we think you'd like as a listener of Hysteria. This week, we're sharing a podcast for anyone who loves to explore places both close and far from home,
1: women who travel from Condé Nast Traveler. Join host Lale Erikoglu each week as she shares her 10 years of experience as an endlessly curious and passionate global journalist, as well as the stories of self identifying women travelers from around the globe. Though travel and adventure has historically been publicly claimed by men, boo, Women Who Travel creates a space for anyone excited about global issues and exploring places both close and far from home. From
2: the depths of the Patagonia wilderness to walks through Europe's oldest cities, Women Who Travel immerses you in the travel experience featuring sound from around the world alongside guest interviews and listener-submitted audio diaries. This tableau of sound brings the inspiration and joy of this community of travelers to wherever you're listening from. Women Who Travel is available now wherever you listen.
0: Explore the world's hidden wonders on the Atlas Obscura podcast. A village in India where everyone's name is a song. A boiling river in the Amazon. A spacecraft cemetery in the middle of the ocean. Every day... The Atlas Obscura podcast will blow your mind in 15 minutes. You can find it on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode.
3: You can
2: live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle
5: your dream kitchen remodel.